Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Freed Thinker Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Vela. On this episode, I'm going to respond to the often stated Lutheran argument, is means is, and that's all that is ever is, to try and argue their position that when Jesus says, this is my body, that he literally means it is his body. Enjoy the show. make the argument is means is and that's all that is ever means to try to say that when Jesus says this is my body that he literally means the bread is his physical body and the blood is his physical blood from what I can tell from my interactions with Lutherans this is their main argument to defend their concept of real i.e. bodily presence but is it a good argument does the third person singular form of to be or the Greek word a me always mean a literal and not a metaphorical or symbolic use. Let's check it out and let's limit ourselves. Let's limit ourselves just to the Gospels. And how about we actually confine it even further to just the teachings of Jesus? And, and how, about, how about let's confine it even further by ignoring all of the uses in all of the different parables that use the exact same form of the verb me, the third person, esten, of the kingdom of heaven in ways that no one disputes or metaphors. So let's just, let, let's narrow our scope. It's not all of the New Testament. Let's just stick with the Gospels. And then let's narrow that to just the red letter portions where Jesus is teaching to see if the same speaker uses it the same way. And let's just bracket off all the areas where we all already agree that it doesn't mean literal in all of the parables and so on and so forth. Let's just bracket all that and narrow it down to only... Um, let's just say, the non-parabolic teachings of Jesus uh, to see if Jesus himself means is means is, and that for him is always means literalness. Let's see. In Matthew 5.35, Jesus says the earth is a footstool for God's feet. Well, I guess that means that God literally uses the globe as a footstool for his tired kickers. Does that seem like literal? Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. Whew. I hope you guys aren't getting too hot with all the fire from the, the first century lamps that are literally now lit inside of your body. Does that seem literal? In Mark 10, 14, speaking of the little ch- children, Jesus says, such is, again, such estin, such is the kingdom of heaven. No metaphor there. It's literal. The kingdom of heaven is literal children. I mean, are they stacked end to end or like head to toe? Or I mean, what, what, how does that look like? And again, is that a literal usage? 
Luke 12, 1. Jesus warns his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What kind of literal bread do you make out of hypocrisy, do you think? Is that our literal usage? And how about in a parallel passage dealing with the, um, th- this, is, this is my body, this is my blood. Notice in Luke twenty two twenty where he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Not the not the wine is blood. Not, not, not the wine or the real blood. No, it's that cup. He says, this cup is the covenant. That cup, that very cup. And remember, it's not a symbol of the wine or the blood since is means is in the literal sense. Man, I really wish the Catholics did a better job of keeping track of that holy grail, huh? We probably should hire Indiana Jones again because... That cup is literally the covenant. Interesting. Now, Lutherans will respond and say, well, that's not a metaphor. That's a synecdoche. Well, does that solve it? Sorry, but no. Firstly, for those of you who don't know, what is a synecdoche? A synecdoche is a figure of speech in which a part is used as a stand-in for the whole. For example... If I need your help lifting something and I ask for your hand, I don't just mean for you to give me only a hand or just your hand. I mean, I need your whole body. I need your whole self to come and help me do something. Hand is a stand-in. It's a metaphor because it is likely the part that you'll be using to help lift something. So I use the part to describe the whole. Though even here, this idiom has become so broadly used that maybe I just need your brain power. So we've actually kind of heaped symbolism on top of symbolism. I might not actually even literally need your hand. So in this sense, it's a kind of metaphor. Synecdoche is metaphorical language. But in linguistics, a metaphor, quote unquote, can also be used as it has, it can also be given a more technical usage as a specific kind of metaphor. That is, not all metaphors are metaphors, because there are metaphorical language that aren't, in the technical sense, a metaphor. Why? Well, because in linguistics, a metaphor can also take a technical usage as a kind of metaphor in contrast to, say, a simile or an apostrophe or, yes, a synecdoche. A metaphor in that kind of specific technical taxonomy directly relates to concepts. For example, I could say, he is a rock, and that's a metaphor. Whereas a simile draws a comparison. He is sturdy like a rock or as a rock. Both of those are metaphorical language. Both of them are broadly metaphors. But we can further distinguish a technical metaphor, he is a rock, from a metaphor by simile, he is sturdy as a rock. So in that technical sense, a synecdoche isn't a metaphor, but then neither is a simile or a parable or an apostrophe. So in the broad sense, a synecdoche is a metaphor in that it's metaphorical language. One term or concept is used as a stand-in for the actual concept that you literally mean to convey. But it isn't a literal statement. It is a metaphorical form of speech. 
So saying that's a, that it's a synecdoche doesn't help rescue the argument that is means is and is is all that is always means as a way to defend a literal reading of this is my body to mean this is literally and physically my body because the synecdoche is a kind of metaphorical figure of speech. It would also be a super weird way to try and read Luke 22:20 in that way. I mean, remember, it says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Well, if the Lutheran is wanting to argue that the body and blood are literally bodily present in the bread and wine of the supper, then if it's a synecdoche, that would mean that the cup that Jesus had in his hand is also present every time we take the Lord's Supper. Why? Remember, a synecdoche is that a part represents the whole. Give me your hand. Well, your hand is part of the whole you. The part represents the whole. So if the part, the cup, is used to represent the whole, Jesus' blood being present in the wine, that would mean that the cup is part of the blood. So if the blood is present, then the cup is present. It seems that appealing to a synecdoche to try and salvage the argument is just jumping the shark from a bad grammatical argument to a downright absurd position that the very cup is a component of the blood of Christ that is bodily present in the elements of the Eucharist, which, well, calling that absurd just seems to be an understatement. Now, I have all kinds of other arguments against the Lutheran view of bodily presence, and before anyone freaks out, I believe that Christ is really present. I'm not a Zwinglian. I don't think that it's a mere memorial. I think Christ is really, truly there in, above, around, under, and through the elements. But that this is a sacramental and spiritual presence, no less real, although more meaningful and more immediate, than when Christ is with us when two or more gather in his name or we pray in his name. Does the Lutheran think that Jesus isn't really there because he isn't bodily there when we gather in his name or when we pray? Or do they jump the shark again and think that Jesus is bodily present in those two cases too? And if so, then what's so special about the Eucharist being bodily present if Jesus is always bodily present with us? I also think there's real problems on this view with the hypostatic union since it would seemingly attribute incommunicable attributes of the divine nature to the human nature, namely incorporeality, spiritualness, and omnipresence. But we'll save that for another episode. So I have all these other arguments. So this isn't my only objection to the Lutheran sacramental view. It's just my objection to that really bad argument that is means is. And honestly, I think their best bet would be to fall back to a kind of Roman view that it's just a it's just a matter of faith. It's just it's just a a, a faith-based doctrine that we take on faith. And I honestly would have some affinity for that type of argumentation. I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to defend some of our Christian beliefs. Uh, so you know, I, I that may be a more respectable way to go, but to keep using the is means is argument is just so bad and so easily defeasible from simply looking at the way the Greek term is used, even if we just look at it when the way that Jesus uses it and not even all the other, I mean, I could have given dozens of other examples. We, we could just look at all the countless exceptions to it. And it's not hard to see how anyone who isn't already blindly faithful to that view just wouldn't find it convincing. 
It's like when young earth creationists make the argument that yom plus an ordinal number always refers to a literal 24-hour solar day, or that the vav imperfect construction always denotes historical narrative, when, in fact, we have so many examples from just the Bible, let alone extra-biblical sources, that show that these claims just aren't the case. There's so many exceptions to them in the Hebrew Bible to, the, to those two examples. And there's so many exceptions to the is means is, it has to mean a literal reading in the New Testament, in the New Testament Greek. And so if, if you claim that is means is as a support that it must be literal, don't be surprised when people familiar with the Greek just don't buy it because there's so many exceptions where we know they're symbolic or metaphorical. And when you try to do that, well, it's a synecdoche type of route, you actually just compound the problem and make it even more conceptually absurd when you do that. So whatever other arguments a Lutheran may want or may have or want to give for their view of the real, i.e. bodily presence, uh, this argument is not it. Literally, it is not a good one. If you have better arguments, use them. Because if this is your best argument for the view, well, I gotta say, it's just not hard to see why people aren't literally convinced by it. Thank you again for joining. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, commendations, or condemnations, please feel free to visit me. Uh, you can email me at freedthinkerpodcast at gmail.com. Visit the blog at freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com or come on by the group page on Facebook and join the discussion. Again, thank you for joining. Good night and God bless.